Today we study what the Bible calls the Great White Throne Judgment. And you know, Christians have so many questions about what is this particular judgment. Today we're going to take our time, we're going to go phrase for phrase through Scripture, and we're going to understand what happens at this incredible day that God is going to judge mankind. I hope to answer so many questions that people have concerning the great white throne judgment. I also want to invite you to download our free mobile app. If you have never taken the time to download Awakened to Grace, I hope you'll do that today. You can download it on tablets or on your uh, mobile device, but stay connected to us as we are consistently preaching the gospel and explaining Scripture verse by verse, just like today, as we are in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. I hope you enjoy today's edition of Awaken to Grace. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. We are in a quick two-week series on our first two Sundays back from the shutdown. It's called Eternity, What Are You Living For? Now, next Sunday, we begin our much-anticipated, because we announced this at the first of the year, that we would spend the summer studying the seven churches of Revelation. And I invite you to join me each Sunday of this special, special study. I'm going to teach you everything I know. It's not everything about the seven churches, but I, I promise you this. It's everything I know personally about these texts. And I think, I hope, I pray, it's going to minister to you in a great way. It's going to be a rich, rich Bible study for the summer. And I can't wait to dive into it beginning next Sunday. Last week, we talked about the Bema, what Scripture calls the judgment seat of Christ. Now, let me just recap for 30 seconds for those who were not with us last week. We were in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. And we saw what Scripture calls the judgment seat of Christ. Here are the spark notes to it. Here's what you need to know about the judgment seat of Christ. First of all, it's for believers only. Unsaved people are not at the judgment seat of Christ. You need to understand it's for Christians, for Christ followers, for born-again people only. Number two, what you need to know is that it happens... Uh, in my view, Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5, when the people of God are around the throne of God before the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, I believe that's where the judgment bema seat of Christ happens. I believe that that's scripturally when it takes place. The Bible says when Christ comes, he comes with rewards in his hand. And what are the rewards that Christians can earn? Well, we get the five crowns of Scripture. If you don't live a worthless or a wasteful life, you will be rewarded by Jesus Christ. And we studied all of that in detail last week. If you missed it, you can go back on our app or website and listen. 
But we saw in great detail that the judgment seat of Christ is not to determine if you are saved. In fact, only the saved will actually be there. It's not to judge your sins because Christ absorbed your sins. Christ took the penalty of your sin upon the cross. And therefore, you and I will never stand and give an account. We'll never stand in judgment of our personal sin because that's been transferred to Jesus Christ. So what is the judgment seat of Christ? Well, Christ will judge how we live. Our motives, the opportunities that we either wasted, squandered, or took advantage of. If we lived for the glory of God, if our motives were right, if our motives were pure, that's what Christ will judge. So we saw that the judgment seat of Christ is not the kind of judgment we're going to study today. The judgment seat of Christ was for believers... It is around the throne of God, Revelation 4 and 5. And it is to reward Christians. That's the purpose of it. Now today is vastly different. Today we're going to study what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. And I want to preach this as carefully and with the fear of God in my heart. And a great reverence toward What he says, because hear me, hear me today, church, hear me. These are perhaps the most important, the most sobering, and perhaps the scariest words in all of the Bible. You and I will do very well to pay attention to it and to pay close attention to what the scripture teaches today. Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 through 15 is where we are. And John begins by describing what what we're going to call today God's courtroom. Now, our society is fascinated with courtrooms. How many of you love shows like Law and Order? Right? uh, It cracks me up. Sometimes I'm around people, their ringtone is is that Law and Order, right? I love Law and Order. It's great. How many of us love TV shows that, uh, that deal with, with crime and with justice and, and all those courtroom dramas? We love to watch courtroom dramas, don't we, as a society? Well, John is going to paint a picture of what is the most serious, what is the most supreme, what is the most sovereign courtroom that mankind will ever know and will ever experience. And what is the beauty of this is that you and I have the opportunity to read it, to study it, to understand it, to apply it to our lives in this earth before it ever arrives. And may God give us the grace to hear what the Spirit would say to us today out of His Word. First of all, John says, I saw a great white throne. Now, why does the Bible call this judgment seat, this judgment time, why does he call it a great white throne? Note this if you want to take notes today. Number one, the word great in Greek is maga, M-A-G-A, maga. And it means great. Well, what did John mean by the word great? Well, if you and I are entangled, let's say we get into a civil lawsuit, and let's say you and I lose the lawsuit. Well, what can we do? 
we appeal to a higher court. And let's say you and I lose the next lawsuit, and what are we going to do? We're going to appeal to a higher court. But if we continue to appeal, eventually, what court will we end up in in the United States of America? The Supreme Court. And if you and I take our civil case to the Supreme Court, and you and I lose in the Supreme Court, then who do we appeal to? There's no higher court. There's no one left to appeal. That is the final decision maker. There is a finality to the Supreme Court. And so it is when John is writing Revelation and he says, I looked and I saw this mega, this great white throne. What's he saying? This is the most supreme court of the universe. You cannot get higher You cannot get more serious. You cannot get to a more finality than the great white throne judgment of God. Now why is it called white? Because this speaks of the purity, of the holiness of God's justice. You and I well know that in our court systems today, in our society, is justice always served? No. You know, believe it or not, I've been to court many times. There have been many times that close friends of mine or even people within our church has gotten tangled up in this or that and they've asked me to go to court with them. And they've asked me to be a character witness. And so I've been in quite a number of courtrooms. And I remember one day I was there with, with a family from our church and uh, you know, I'm sitting in the courtroom and they're having many cases in and out, whatever, on the docket. And, and I'm just sitting there and I'm watching everything. And I remember this young, thin, tall guy, probably 25 to 28 years old. He didn't seem like it was his first time in court, if you know what I'm saying. And he was tall and thin and he goes before the judge. And, you know, everyone there is very obvious. The judge just lightly slapped his hand and you know, pay a little fine, and that's it. And I'll never forget this man. He was dressed up for court, and he was a young guy, tall, thin, and he was before the judge, and the judge lets him off easy, and when he turns around to all of us, a sly grin comes across his face. And I thought to myself, he's learned nothing. And then I thought, one day he's going to stand before a judge. It's not going to be that way. We all know of rapes that have gone on. We all know of abuse that has gone on. We all know of even murders or thefts that was never rightly judged on this earth. No, my friend, when it comes to the great the supreme, the sovereign, holy, righteous judgment of God. Not one thing will be mistaken. Not one thing will be left without justice. Not one thing will be left unnoticed before an almighty God. It is called white because it is pure and it is holy and it is just. Now, That's the courtroom. We see a great white throne. Notice number two today. John's going to tell us about the judge. John says, 
and I saw he who sat upon the throne. Now, who is he? Now, note this. John chapter 5, verse 22. Jesus teaches, the Father does not judge anyone, but has given all judgment to the Son. Do you know who sits upon this great white throne? Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate judge of the universe. And how fitting that in this life, men who judged Jesus Christ, men and women and children and students who rejected Jesus Christ, how fitting it is that Christ would be the judge of them. It is Christ who sits upon this, ju- upon this judgment seat. So the question is today, what have you done with Christ? What have you done personally with Jesus Christ? What have you done with him? Do you remember I told you the story last week about the older man who came into my office, a man elderly, up in years, and told me, I have no problem with God. It's Jesus Christ I have a problem with. Well, sir, you have a mighty big problem. Because who is he going to stand in judgment before? The Son, Jesus Christ. So John shows us, number one, the courtroom. He shows us, number two, the judge. Number three, I want you to note this. John shows us the defendants. Who are the defendants? John records it. He says, and then I saw the dead, both great and small. What's John saying here? I saw the dead, both great and small. First of all, note this. Again, many things I want you to note today. When it says the dead, it doesn't mean just they, the, the, the physical death of a human being. No, John is saying those who are spiritually dead. Those who are not alive in Christ. See, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Very interesting verse. Paul writes, it is Jesus Christ who will judge both the living and the dead. See, I never really understood that verse. I thought it was saying those who are living, breathing, and those who are no longer breathing, and they're dead. No. What he's saying, it is a spiritual matter. Those who are born again, and therefore they're alive in Christ, and those who are dead in their sins. You see what I'm saying? And what John is pinning here is he's saying, I saw those who were apart from Christ. Here is the good gospel news. You and I who are born again will never stand in the great white throne judgment. We'll never appear before this supreme court. We'll never appear and and give account of our sins. No, you and I have already done that according to the Bible. Revelation 4, 5, we've already done it at the Bema judgment seat of Christ, and we were rewarded, not judged. Only the spiritually dead, only those who were apart from Christ, those are the ones who will stand before Jesus Christ at the great white throne. Those are the defendants. And then I want you to notice next, we see the courtroom, we see the judge, we see the defendants. Next, I want you to note this, we see the evidence. What is the evidence? The Bible mentions two things. We'll call it Exhibit A. 
the books. Now, what are the books? If you continue to read, John says that each man is judged for what he has done, the deeds with which he has, in other words, the kind of life that he lived. Now, this is interesting. Now, this is so interesting to me. First of all, let's get this out of the way. You know, there are some people who believe in what's called the doctrine of annihilation. Do you know what that means? That there's no afterlife. Years ago, I was traveling home from the Middle East from a mission trip, and I was connecting uh, in Amsterdam, Netherlands. And I was going to fly from Amsterdam, um, somewhere, probably Atlanta or Detroit or somewhere here coming home. And sitting beside me, I got there a little early and I was already buckled into my seat. And when I had eyesight and I would fly, I'm not a chatty Cathy on airplanes. I'd just rather put in earbuds and think or do plan or pray, whatever. I don't like to chat. And an older man came and sat down beside me. It was his assigned seat. And he was a Dutchman. He was from Holland, and he was coming to America to visit. I could tell you everything about him because he told me everything about him, unfortunately. <laughs> and this guy was a talker, right? Talked. Oh. And the whole, from the time we were taxiing onto the runway, from the time we lifted off, this guy, I couldn't even get a word in edgewise. He just talked. Well, right as we were getting ready to take off, he looks at me and says, well, what do you do for a living? And let me tell you. You're talking about watching people squirm when I'm on an airplane. They say, well, what do you do for a living? I pastor a church. They squirm all of a sudden. I don't know. And this guy, it would appear, was done talking, but he wasn't. He gave it a few minutes to absorb, and then he wanted to talk. You guessed it. Religion. Well, I didn't want to talk religion. I never want to talk religion. I want to talk Jesus. Religion doesn't save anyone. Religion doesn't rescue. Religion doesn't deliver. Only Jesus can rescue people. Amen? Well, he wanted to dive into this, and we're talking, and and I'm trying to share the gospel with him the best of my ability. Now, granted, this is not a young man. This is a man much up in years. And you know what he told me? He said... I don't believe any of it. He said, I think when you die, you die. What do you mean? Well, when you're dead, you're dead. Explain it. Well, you didn't exist before you were conceived, and after you die, you don't exist then. Your existence is done. It's gone. That's called annihilation, and it's not true. It's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that after each one has died, we will give an account. Hebrews 9, 27, For it is appointed unto man to die once, and after this, the judgment. So John sees the dead. Who are they? They're the defendants. They are the spiritually dead, those who are apart from Jesus. No believer... No believer is at the great white throne judgment. Praise God. Christ absorbed our judgment on the cross. So who are these dead? Well, John says both great and small. What does he mean by that? 
He means men who were famous, wealthy, mighty, powerful. He means the Joseph Stalins and the Adolf Hitlers. He means the Saddam Husseins and he means the Alexander the Greats and all the men of history, all the women of history who are mighty, who are known. And then he says something odd. He says both small and great. You know what he means by the word small? Those who are insignificant. Those who history never recorded their name. You know what John is saying? What John is saying is no matter how mighty a person is, no matter how well known they are, they'll stand before Almighty God. And no matter how insignificant someone is, no one is too great and no one is too small to slip by the judgment of God. Think about that. No matter who you are, you may be as average as average comes. You may be average My friend, you may even be considered, you may consider yourself below average, but you are not too insignificant that you will not stand before God if you're apart from Jesus. Everyone, both great and small, will stand before the Lord who are not found in Christ. So we see the courtroom, the great white throne. We see the judge who is Jesus Christ. We see the defendants who are the spiritually dead, both great and small. And now we see the evidence, the books. Exhibit A, what is what, what does Scripture mean by books? Well, as I said a moment ago, if you read on down, it talks about how our Deeds are recorded. Now, I have to chuckle at some people. Because there are some people that would mock Scripture and go, Whoa, 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 Chad, you're telling me that everything I do in life is actually logged and recorded? That's what the Bible teaches. Now, if you're someone you don't believe that, let me tell you how silly you are. Do you not think that everywhere you go, you're not being recorded? Go to the bank, you're recorded. Go shopping and you're recorded. Drive down Stone Drive and you're being recorded. Walk in my counseling office and guess what? You're being recorded. How many of you have those doorbell cameras already at your home, right? Everywhere you go, you're being recorded. Or how about this? How many of you have talked around your smartphone and all of a sudden you start to get ads for what you just had a conversation about? That happened to any of you? Come on now, right? Sadie and I can drive past Chick-fil-A and all of a sudden Chick-fil-A coupons come to our phone. That's called geofencing. Right? That's why you can walk down a grocery aisle and you can walk past Tide or some, some kind of detergent and all of a sudden Procter & Gamble or whoever will send you a coupon to your phone. And you're telling me that you don't think heaven has better and more sophisticated technology than what we have? Come on now. Don't be silly. Everything about your life is recorded in heaven. 
everything. Everything. And one day, when those who are apart from Christ stand before God, and if they were to have any defense whatsoever, they will not, because what will be open? The books. Do you use a streaming device at home or at work? Simply say, hey Google, play Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts podcast and listen to our weekly podcast that is the current sermon that I preach each week at Preaching Christ Church.